0: Hey fellow tennis nerds, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Nerd Podcast. This time I talk to Tim paddock from Prince. He has been with the company for 15 years. He is instrumental in designing some really innovative rackets. Most recently, the Prince Synergy 98 with the 1818 string pattern. You can find a review on tennisnerd.net and my YouTube channel as well as the ripstick, the new ripstick with those aggressive O-ports. You can also find more information about that on tennisnerd.net and YouTube. So I hope you like this conversation with with Tim. I found it fascinating. He's a great guy. And if you have any other ideas of guests you would like to see on the Tennis Nerd podcast or topic you would like covered, please let me know in the comments below. That's all. Have a nice day and don't forget to play some tennis.
1: Uh, How long have you been there? So I've been in um, I've been up in New York for around three years, um, three and a half years now. Um, and I was down in Florida for three years before that. So I've been in the US for six and a half years now, which is uh, it's kind of crazy. It's gone. It's gone by so fast.
0: Do you miss home?
1: Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I, I miss, you know, my family and friends from back home. But, you know, I, uh, I left England um, when I was 23 um and uh, you know I started off um in Italy with the with the R&D team out there I'm, I moved out straight after I finished university so um I've been away from from the UK really now for 15 years so it's I'm sort of used to it and and I've been all around the world with with the Prince brand uh, Now I started off in Italy and then you know, I moved to China and then uh, over here to the US so it's really been a you know, a, a voyage of, uh, of exploration with the brand and, and not that much time in England.
0: Did you work with another brand before you joined Prince or was it like the first
1: thing? No, you were, so when, when I was, um, when I was at university, be, before my final year of my master's, I actually did, um, a four month internship with the ITF, um, technical department in, in Roehampton. And that's actually how I, uh, how I got the job with, um, with with Prince, so Prince was was looking for a a, a new engineer for the team, and at, at that time, you know, Prince had, had just launched 03 and and everything was was growing pretty quick. So um, yeah, so they were looking for for some extra for some extra help, and you know, my contacts through the ITF reached out to me and said, Tim, look, I know you you haven't quite finished your degree yet, but would you be interested in going and interviewing for for this position. And I was like, yeah, of course, you know, I'd love to have a job lined up as soon as I finish. So actually uh, I went out to Italy in the, in the April before I, uh, before I finished my, my masters. And, um, and, and yeah, you know, it was, I flew out to Venice. I met the whole team. Um, I got offered the job on the spot and, then uh, I spent a, a, you know, a nice day and, and night in, in Venice and then flew back, back to reality of, of university, so it was kind of a, a whirlwind, crazy sort of experience. But yeah, I mean, other than that, ITF, that um, Prince's is, Prince is my first full-time full-time gig, and I'm, I'm still here 15 years later.
0: Wow, that's uh, quite a story, right? So it's yeah. uh, you know the brand inside out, then.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, it's funny because I've touched on pretty much every aspect of it now. Um, you know, I start, as, uh, started off as a as purely as an engineer. And I was, you know, part of the team there that was working on O3 and working on, you know, all the racket development. Um, I was doing, you know, CAD designs and I, I was involved in, you know, the the composite development of, of the rackets. Um, and, you know, it was a pretty exciting time. We we did a lot of innovation at that time. You know, we moved on to Speedports and, and X03 and, and working on you know actually the the production processes of the xo 3 rackets you know you remember the the silver and red versions where we had the full carbon energy bridge
0: yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it
1: was it was quite a a feat of engineering at that time yeah we would say we probably over engineered it um we went a little bit too far away maybe from the um from the performance uh, of the racket but it was it was really us Pushing the envelope on what we could do with um, with composite technologies, and you know, then after that, I, I you know, after the financial crisis um, in 2011, 2010, 2011, I, I moved out to um, to China, really to focus on you know, simplifying the production process, um, redesigning all of our O3 tooling to simplify those, trying to streamline the whole um, development process. So I, I got to see that other side. So. That was when i was really like wow we were you know we were really over engineering this and and um you know maybe getting a little too complicated with things um and and at that time you know i was able to really work with the factories develop a product prototype it test it right there and then and and move on so you know we really were able to do a lot um in terms of you know really fine-tuning the the playability and i think that's when you know i started to to get more in tune with you know what we what we do now, which is really to try to focus on building technologies and building rackets that that help people play tennis and enjoy tennis more, mm-hmm. um, as mm-hmm. opposed to really just purely being a, a an engineering masterpiece as, as uh, some of those some of those early Xo3 rackets were
0: yeah i mean you've you've seen a lot i mean 15 years one brand one industry which is which is fascinating um what what has changed mainly like you think in the industry and the way you work i mean i I know prince has had a turbulent trip for sure i mean uh, maybe you can highlight a few points about that but but what do you think has changed anything in the manufacturing anything around in in general how you create rackets
1: yeah i mean turbulent for prince is is an understatement it's uh it's certainly been a very, very interesting ride, and we've had we've had multiple owners and and we're obviously you know where we are now with um, with authentic brands group. and authentic brands group is a is a licensing um, company, and they license out um, the the prints name and technologies to various different partners throughout the world. And so that's obviously the biggest difference for us. Um, obviously, and you know, I was working for the the operating company before, and you know we had, full design development oversight your full line plan full marketing sales teams um sales reps you know we had coaches programs and all of the grassroots programs that you know most typical brands have um i I think now you know our challenges are are very different um we're a much smaller organization as the the parent the parent company um the, the the team that's operating and developing prints now which we still do in-house so we're still you know developing all of the rackets and the cosmetics and and, and strings and grips and bags and everything internally and mm-hmm. then um, our our partners are sourcing those through um through our network in in Asia um but we don't have you know we're not in control of the sales force we're not in control of, of you know the the local marketing and grassroots programs and so that does you know, bring some challenges. It does also, the, the licensing structure does also bring some advantages in that we can be you know, maybe more nimble with some of our um, decision making. Um, we give our partners a, you know, a, a, an advantage where they can um, buy directly from the factory and they're not buying wholesale. So that does give them some, um, some inherent advantages in terms of attacking the market in, in certain ways um so those are the the biggest differences really from a from a business structure in terms of the way we we manufacture rackets i think you know the 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 racket industry has been you know it's been fairly stagnant there's not been any you know massive massive changes obviously there's always improvements in terms of you know resin systems in in the composites and and understanding how we can use layers better i think we saw a we saw a trend where all the rackets were getting, you know, stiffer and stiffer and stiffer, um, mainly because the the game of tennis moved on and people were being much more aggressive from the back of the court and hitting with, you know, a, a lot more spin than than in the past, and, and that does require you to have quite a lot of um, additional stiffness in, in the frame to really get um, the best benefits of the spin. I think you know where we've seen it over the last couple of years is it's actually most brands are now starting to, to go a little softer again. I, I think um, it, it went too far and, and I'd like to say Prince was at the the forefront of that, you know, the the soft arm arm friendly rackets while still having performance benefits. And that was really a focus of us when we started with the first generation of, of Techstream was well how can we use, you know, modern composite materials to develop a racket that that still has um, you know, the, the torsional stability and torsional stiffness while not making the racket overly stiff and, and um, damaging to the arm. And I, I think that's sort of gone through all of our, um, all of our assortment and all of our product lines for the last you know six, seven years is that we, we probably are out the, of the major racket brands, the, um, the least stiff and probably the most arm friendly of everybody. And you know, it it's it resulted in a very um, distinctive impact feeling from the Prince rackets, um, which you know we're, we're quite we're quite proud of that we um, that we were the first ones to really take that direction. But I think those are the you know biggest differences in rackets. And, and again, it's not a a massive you know revolutionary change in, in racket technology or or you know the process um it's more you know fine-tuning everything
0: that we've learned over the last 30 years of doing rackets in this way no yeah I mean, i'm a huge fan of, of the um, you know I, I know so many players suffer from like tennis elbow and and issues i've suffered from it myself from time to time just by all, all this changing rackets uh, frequently all and the strings and so on and i i know that you've really been pretty consistent with your focus on actually creating like um, arm-friendly rackets that are not completely uh, unusable, you know, or, or being like too noodle-like. Because some technologies, you put a, that in the racket, it, you, you have a huge detriment to how it plays. But you've you managed to find a kind of middle ground with the Techstream. I, I was a huge fan of the 100 Techstream Tour 310, and and um, and even I know the 100P was a, was a very successful for you and popular, and and even the 95 and And now, you you have the Phantom, which I guess is doing pretty well. i', I That's what I've heard. Um, yeah. So, uh, but when we're talking now, you've just uh, announced uh, the two rackets, the the synergy and the ripstick, uh, and the ripstick being kind of a, a very extreme Oport racket. Uh, and, and you've been pretty consistent with the O port. You, you've kept that. Like, how long has that technology been around in some form? Is it as long as you have been in the company pretty much? Yeah, it, it actually predates me. Um, so it it's it's around 16,
1: 17 years old. So I, I actually joined Prince just after the 1st um O3 generation had launched. And, you know, I, I think... Yeah, we we hear quite a lot of negatives about o3 and we hear you know a lot of positives about o3 and it, it's really one of those technologies that that divides people and we understand that uh, I, I think you know back when o3 first came out we we made the whole line with o3 and then that continued into Speedport and X o3 and we weren't offering you know the alternative yeah Whereas whereas now you know we have both traditional construction frames and O3 frames in the line. And I don't think, you know, it's something that we'll move away from because, you know, we know that O3 has a very distinctive feel and it has very distinctive performance benefits. It does open up the sweet spot. It does, you know, reduce vibrations coming through the frame. So uh, while it's not, you know, everybody's, you know, favorite, um, you know, favorite performing racket, it, it really suits other players. Um, so it's something that you know is distinctive to Prince. You know we're the only ones that that do that. So if you want that that feeling and that type of racket, then you know you really um, can only go with a with an o3 racket from from Prince. So uh, again, it, it's something that sets us apart in the market. So I don't think we'll uh, we'll step away from that and we'll continue to develop those types of frames where we feel like they're necessary in in the line. Um, you know, with the Ripstick in particular. Uh, I think, you know, what we really were were looking for um in twenty twenty one was to make a you know, a bigger impact in a in a part of the market where prints had traditionally been quite strong, but we've been um, you know, we've been struggling a little bit to make our mark over the last few years. And that's, you know, the the tweener market. Um and you know, we've had beast lines, we've had warrior lines, which have been you know, moderately successful. We've had good rackets in that space, but they've really been, you know, as a lot of brands do, they've been a sort of catch-all racket, a racket that is suitable for a, a beginner and a more advanced type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't really have weaknesses, but it doesn't have massive strengths either, which is great. It's great to have that type of racket in the line. Now, when you have so many choices, and particularly um, in this segment of the market, there's so many good rackets from all the brands. You know, we just felt like we need to do what Prince does best, and that's to um, to, to really push the envelope a little bit with with our technologies. So like, for example, when the Phantom came out and we made it really thin, you know, the first reaction from everybody was, "This is going to be a limp noodle. It's not going to play well. It's going to be underpowered." And I think we were able to develop that in, in such a way that it did perform well and, and people were surprised. And I think that's sort of what we wanted to to do in this space as well was to create product that really had performance differences to to, to rackets that were out there in the market. And so with the Ripstick, you know, we wanted to build the most powerful tweener racket that we could build on a, on a hundred square inch frame. And so by doing that, you know, we, we've, brought in some of these technologies like O3 which is obviously perfect for a power racket because you know it increases the the size and and the um the effect of the sweet spot um you know we get a a more powerful ball return coming from from an O3 racket than we do from from a traditional construction um you know we've we've built it with a very aggressive um CTS construction so that's for those who, who don't know that's where it it's Um, thickest at the tip of the frame and it tapers Mm -hmm. down all the way to the thinnest part of the frame right above the handle so that does allow us to keep that flex in the shaft um, be a slightly lower um, stiffness but still have you know reaction in 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 the hoop of the frame and the the, particularly in the tip of the frame um, where we get less flex Um, and and to mirror that we've we've done really the most aggressive design on the 0 03 that that we've we've ever done um so the o3 actually tapers in the same way as the cts and the reason for that is obviously when you build a thick frame cts it you know it could become a little unwieldy and a little difficult to maneuver um but by building this aggressive o3 design we've actually sort of countered that um maneuverability issue um so the 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 further away from the handle you're swinging the racket, obviously the faster that part of the racket's swinging because um, it's furthest away from that rotation axis. So again, we've got the bigger O-ports in, in that part of the frame and that just allows the racket to cut through the air a little more. And I think our initial reactions have been you know, one of surprise again that you know, such a thick frame can actually feel um, quite maneuverable, um, yeah. which is not what people were expecting when they first pick up that racket. So I think you know it's it's got that sort of combined big sweet spot thick frame for for powerful but also manoeuvrable so you can swing it fast and that just generates so much pace on on the ball and it's just you know it's a really fun racket to um, to play with and, and of course as you've seen Jonas we 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 married that with quite a fun cosmetic design something that's a little bit out of the box again compared to where we've been in the past in that space um, I just think it's one of those rackets that. Um, a lot of people are going to be able to pick up and and enjoy but if you really want to just rip the cover off the ball it's exactly what you're looking for as as the name would suggest
0: yeah I mean I think you you really got the word down there I think that that was what I thought when I was playing with it for the first time was just like this is a fun racket to use it was surprisingly maneuverable uh, thanks to I mean I guess the the o ports reduces the drag you know by yep. a bit as well so the the mm-hmm. beam isn't actually as thick as it looks from from the start you know right. and um and they had pretty good like i mean i was surprised by the amount of of uh, kind of skidding slice you could generate because sometimes with these kind of tweeners or arrows or aerodynamic frames the slice has this tendency to to shoot out and, and be a little bit more floaty. But this one felt like it, it could definitely penetrate the court a bit better. So, yeah. um, well done there. I, re- I really enjoy playing with it. And um, it's a really fun-looking stick. I think the most uh, comments I've, I've received about it, because uh, I, I knew it was going to probably be a polarizing racket when I when I got it. Obviously, it's, it's something extreme. is going to have two sides to it. But mo- most people have really been asking, like people that um you know just pass by when I'm hitting with it or... They just come by and, and just, oh, what racket is that? That, that looks awesome, you know, and they want to, you know, try it and stuff. So I think that's a good response, you know, because everybody's going to have opinions about the different paint jobs of, of the tennis rackets. It's just how it is. But yeah, of uh, course, it's definitely a fun stick.
1: Yeah, of course. And and whatever whatever we do, whatever any brand does, there's, there's always people with their, their opinions of the racket. And, and we understand that. And we always say that there's never a, a perfect racket that, that's for every player. So I don't think we can, you know, really try and play it safe and try to please everybody. Um, I, I think for the type of player that's looking for that aggressive, fun racket to hit with having a, you know, a more exaggerated, more out there cosmetic it is something that's, you know, it is, is suitable for the frame. So, um, you know, I hope we're going to get, I don't want to say that I hope we're going to get people that love it and people that hate it, but. I'm happy if we if we have some of those that um, that don't like it, but then a, a group of people that absolutely love it because that's really what we're what we're going for. We want to we want to try to please those people that do like O3 frames and do like aggressive hitting from the back.
0: Yeah, definitely something for the for the aggressive baseline or kind of the Rafa uh, imitator or whatever. Sure. Uh, and then you alongside that, so you have two two rip sticks, 280 grams and 300. And then you have an, a very interesting racket with quite a unique string pattern, eighteen eighteen. It's the Synergy 98. Can you tell me how, how the thought process was behind that?
1: Yeah. So again, it was you know we sat down and we we talked about where the beast line was and and how you know all the rackets in the line they we we liked them personally and they hadn't necessarily tracked as well as we'd like to with with the players. Um, uh, and again, it was one of those. Those moments in time where we thought, well, why don't we try to build a, a racket that is the most stable that we that we could build? That's how it started. Um, and it's funny because we were actually um, we were actually at that time redeveloping some rackets for the 50th anniversary of Prince, which was last year. Which unfortunately, you know, we we didn't do as much as we'd like to have done because of everything that happened with COVID. But um, you know, one of the rackets that we were um, developing, redeveloping, and that we actually introduced towards the back end of last year was the um, CTS Synergy DB26, yeah, um, yeah. which I think you, uh, you've you
0: hit with as well. Yeah, and yeah what, it's, what, what, uh, it's another nice racket. It's more of I mean, throwback in design. And I, I also like yeah. that you bring out a very extreme modern-looking ripstick, and also the new Synergy is quite modern-looking. It looks more futuristic, and then you have oh. that Kind of heritage feel because I know a lot of players, myself included, like these kind of old school feeling frames, but also old school playing yeah. frames. Uh, but it's still pretty maneuverable, and you, you can still play with it. It's not like a, a log to to swing around. So I think that's cool. that's a good thing.
1: So it's funny because one of one of the things when we went back and we we pulled the original version out of our um, out of our warehouse and and hit with it, and it was just it, the the ball flight was just so different to what we get on most modern rackets and you know the the game of tennis has obviously changed a lot since when the the original synergy came out um but there's still a a whole group of players that don't play with massive amounts of spin and, and are looking for a different type of you know counter-punching frame or uh, they hit flatter shots and they want the ball to go through the court more as opposed to it, it checking up maybe as much as it would with a you know a really open string pattern like we've got on the, you know the the ripstick. Well, you know the the string pattern is really open, and you can get really aggressive with with spin and, and your shots. Whereas, you now with the eighteen eighteen string pattern, you know, what we wanted to do was to try to slightly change the the trajectory of the ball, um, have a little flatter trajectory, have a ball that that comes through the court to the to the player a bit more and not kick up as much. Um, but we also, you know, we were really conscious of making sure that if you're getting a, a a flat trajectory you know people are hitting the ball flat that we don't want there to be any instability um just because of the way you attack the ball when you're hitting it flat um it does tend to to cause some instability in the frame if you hit it slightly out of the center um so there is you know there's additional um swing weight in that frame to what we would normally put on a 305 gram on racket um but yeah it's it, it's one of those that you know, it really came about. Well, why can't we put an 18 mains and 18 crosses that is going to change the trajectory of the flight. We are going to be able to still get the pocketing because we've got less cross string. So there's still, you know, decent string bed deformation, but by having a more dense main string pattern, it is going to then change the trajectory of the flight. It's not so much that you can't get any spin, of course, if you want to hit spin, but, um, for those flat hitters, it's like myself. Um, it, it does give you that added benefit of, you know, having a really nice pocket and a really nice um aggressive hit through the court, um, which, you know, again, is something that's maybe not found as much in, in modern rackets. And we, we want to be able to build a racket that isn't out there in, in other places and that certain players might gravitate towards. Uh, and I think that's, Um, You know, that's really the goal of all of these rackets that we're going to introduce in in 2021, Um, you know, is building something different, building something fun, building something that just isn't necessarily available out there. And we'll we'll obviously see if that, you know, if that holds up with the consumer. But I do think that there's going to be a group of people out there that are going to find that a, a really fun frame to
0: hit with yeah for for a guy who tests pretty much everything that comes out uh, at least within within all the lines that come out maybe not every each each model but uh, i really find it refreshing to see some new thinking i mean string patterns it it, it gets a bit tedious when you only see 1820 and and 1619 on, on pretty much any manufacturer as, is offering those two sure. patterns then we have your next day like the 1620 which and even the head gravity ones so 1620 but bringing in new thinking, you do a lot, a lot of 16, 18. Uh, that's kind of a Prince heritage pattern, I think. It, I see it a lot in your rackets. Um, but you manage somehow to to make the launch uh, lower, which which is great. Uh, I noticed that with the tech stream, that even despite the 16, 18, and 100 square inch racket, the ball wasn't sailing uh, right. or or just you know bouncing up from the frame. Um, and the 18, 18, the way I, I play with it, you still get a good amount of spin. Uh, but the ball trajectory suits a flatter hitter like myself as well. I, I know where the ball is going, um, so it was not too far away from the heritage synergy, but added a little bit of bite to the ball. That, that's how I felt uh, yeah. the execution of the frame was. So I, I thought that was very interesting. Also fun to 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 just challenge the market a bit and see if sure. you can make an 1818 racket. Why not? It,
1: it, and, you know i think again you know where where we are with with the prince brand it, it sort of allows us to to do that a little bit more you know i i know the the retail expects rackets to be 16 by 19. I, i'm not you know as an engineer as a developer of rackets we we can make 16 19 on every racket and every racket plays completely different so i'm i'm not totally sure when and where this you know obsession with a, a 16 19 string pattern has has come from i understand that it's you know it's easy to explain to people because it's you know the norm Mm -hmm. um but i I don't think that that necessarily means that that is the answer for everybody you know back back when tennis was really popular in the the 80s and 90s and and we had you know prince had a a huge market share we did all sorts of different types of string patterns if i go and look through our um our archives we've got some of the craziest rackets that i've ever seen um and and really you know every kind of of string pattern imaginable whether that's you know double layers of strings or you know diagonal strings or 23 cross strings and Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah all sorts of all sorts of crazy stuff and i think part of that um that fun and that discoverable um aspect of a racket has sort of disappeared a little bit because everybody's just going in and asking and looking for that 100 square inch in 1619 and and you know i, I think it's something that, that golf has done really well in in the way that they fit players to to, um, to golf clubs in tennis it doesn't really seem to, to happen the same way it's well you you go to your, your your club and your coach will advise you on what racket to use maybe but outside of that everything is okay you're buying what what you see and you're buying what you think is the the correct product to buy um but there's other there's other options out there and there's other ways to build rackets and that's you know something that uh, i'm particularly keen to to explore because you know again the overall production process of rackets hasn't really changed massively um and so We've got to sort of, you know, really try and, and push the envelope a little bit. And I, I think that's, again, that's where Prince has always been um, historically. And, you know, I think our current size and our current um, structure of the company allows us to to do that again now. So that is something that we will continue to, to try to do is just, just try some things that people aren't really expecting and, hopefully people will be interested enough to go and pick them up and, and test the rackets for themselves as opposed to having the preconceived idea, well, an eighteen eighteen can't work for me. And they'll actually, you know, maybe see that they, they can find a racket that that plays differently and, and does suit them maybe more than, you know, the, the traditional hundred square inch sixteen nineteen.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think most most um, people don't even have an idea of how the string patterns work and, and that you can have a different drill pattern with whatever string pattern you have. So uh, I get questions like I say, oh, uh, when I say it's a tight 1619, people ask, well, it's a 1619, how can it be tight? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the spacing of the strings can still be 1619 and be tighter. And yeah. if you have a smaller racket head, obviously, you and you can make a fourteen sixteen ninety-three 93 square inch racket as well. So it's it's all about the drill pattern and how the spacing is. And That's so cool. a lot of things going into it. And And people, like you say, I think it might be <clears throat> coming from the endorsement situation when you have. Uh, sure. players like Rafa and Novak they both endorse certain rackets and then people go and like okay he's the best player uh, I should play with this racket because uh, I want to play like him and yeah. that's really yeah. how tennis works right
1: yeah of course you know uh, i would love to play like rafa too but i don't so yeah <laughs> uh, you know what what rafa uses is maybe not necessarily what i should use and that you know that's a that's a difficult that's a difficult um you know, argument for us to make I, I don't want to say you know you shouldn't go and try to play like Rafa like everybody would love to and the you know the rackets that that Rafa and, and Novak endorse are great rackets look we we test everything too and they're they're yeah. you know they're really good rackets I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and try them I uh, just you know for us we'd love people to go and try our product because we we do take a lot of time and and, and care into what we're Um, developing and we're building those frames for people to enjoy something that's different so i do hope that people will try them and just see for themselves
0: yeah no i think so too and that's a part of my mission is to get kind of also i mean smaller brands or other i mean smaller rackets in the term of, of popularity and get people to understand that there's a lot of choice right pushing the envelope is important because i mean at some point it's almost like every racket has been made the way we're approaching it now but i think there's so much room for innovation and there was a time like you said like 20 years ago whatever when or even more when when manufacturers tried all kinds of things like 2021 patterns there there was everything out there and and that was more fun like because then you you might i I think most players that buy rackets and the most tennis nerds that, that follow my channels and so on they they like to see if if partly they just like experimenting right because they tennis is fun and experimenting with your game and see what happens to your game is fun so there's a there's a thing about the sensation when you hit the ball that's rewarding if you play with the right racket right so absolutely i mean if you only have xyz rackets out there you're not going to be able to find maybe your favorite sensation so then you maybe have to look back 30 years and see what was out there then instead of hopefully seeing some innovation where it's fun again to to experiment and say oh i'm trying this racket this is crazy this is a completely new design has a completely different sensation when i'm hitting the ball maybe you'll hate it that's fine or, or maybe you actually love it and you, you want to make the switch so you, you want to give people the chance to actually experiment a bit with their exactly i mean we're we're tennis nerds
1: too you know we love the yeah. game and uh you know, we we're, we're, we would say we we're product nerds as well and yeah, you know, i think uh, that that really drives us to to not settle for for just doing it the same way as we always have, um, or the same way as the industry expects. And, and as you said, you know, I, I think it's not us trying to create something that's really niche, because I don't think that either the Ripstick or the Synergy necessarily need to be a small niche racket. They're just they're they're, they're rackets that are done in that that big space that lots of people could pick up and try but it is going to give you something a little different to to what you're finding out there. So, and again, of course there's, there's going to be people that that don't like the rackets. There's going to be people that play with the, with the O3 rackets and don't, you know, they don't enjoy the sensation. There's going to be people that play with the Ripstick and they're going to complain that the the strings break too quickly um, because it, it definitely is one of those frames where the, the strings go quickly, but you know, again, we're, we're trying to, to live on the edge a little bit with it. And, you know, I, I've said to you, I've said to you in the past, you know, sometimes with our 16, 18 string patterns and the strings do break, but you're getting more string movement and you're getting more, um, spin potential by doing that. Uh, and you sort of, you're trading off that string breakage for high performance. And it, it's like a race car, a race car changes their tires every, you know, 40 laps, but you know, you they' they're doing it because they're pushing the the boundaries of what a, of what the car can do, and it's sort of the same you know with with string breakage and mm-hmm. and to be honest, you know i I would rather have a, a racket where you know we're getting you're getting the maximum performance that you can out of it. Um, you know and you're you're sort of compromising a little bit on the on the strings. yeah to to be perfectly honest, and you'll know better than me, Jonas, because you' you're playing a lot more than I am right now. It, it's really important to to change your strings often, anyway, because you're losing so much performance if you if you keep strings in too long. Yeah. Anyway, so I think you know having having the the open string pattern and and with the O-ports and with the aggressive nature of the the ripstick, you will find a little bit of a trade off with string durability, but you hopefully will have more fun playing at, at the same time.
0: Yeah, and also there's also one good point. I think that. Um... Players uh, might be—it might be good for them to be reminded that they need to change strings because a lot of players have old polyester, thick gauge polyester strings in their racket, and they get arm issues. And yeah. and when you introduce string movement similar to what kind of Wilson do with the Clash line, it eats strings incredibly fast, faster than the bow ports even for me. But um but yeah it's it's a price you pay for the comfort that you get so you have to just make that that judgment for me even if i i mean i string myself so it's not a problem you know um but but anyone can kind of buy a cheap string machine and then they save a little money and and just get a string reel and and i think it really helps your tennis if if you're open to changing your strings a little bit more often and and most stringers most racket experts would uh, 100% agree that that's what i what i i hear all the time right yeah, of course.
1: And, you know, I think that's, to your point, you know, I think that's part of, um, you know, what we've seen with obviously with polyesters coming in over the last 20, 25 years is that, that there's a certain group of people that, that think there's a certain player that thinks, Oh, I'm going to put a polyester string in my, in my racket, because it's going to last me a lot, you know, a lot longer than a, um, than a multifilament or, a you know, a even people playing natural gut back in the day like oh, well, i'll play with polyester because it'll last me a long time and i won't have to change my strings but you, you're losing so much attention from from the string and you're losing all the benefit of of what the polyester brings to you in terms of the, the snapback that it, it's it's going to do you more harm than good if you're keeping your polyester strings in there too long um, yeah
0: 100 so. percent. I, I think that it's just uh, I think you you need to take that into the equa- equation with your with your tennis costs, right? If if it's, it's just yeah. like it's not a huge cost anymore, uh, so it's it's I think it's better to just keep changing the strings. It's a good good advice. Uh, you also had a racket. I haven't tried it, uh, but uh, is there any? Um, you having more plans for that? The Twist Power. I, I get a lot of questions about that racket from players. Like, oh, I'm keen. I want to try this Twist Power. They think it looks really cool. Like, uh, it's uh, another innovation. You it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's another one of those rackets that we that we've introduced over the last year or so. That is, again, it's a little bit unexpected, and and when people see it, they're like, "Whoa, this thing looks looks crazy! It looks very different." And it, again, you know, we we like to to create that that curiosity um, to bring some of the fun back into you know racket purchases, and I think you'll see later in the year. There's maybe some some other fun uh, fun rackets coming. Um, but yeah, I think you know we will continue with the Twist Power. It's been it's been really well received and it's been really popular. Um, it certainly lends itself to um, you know more beginner intermediate players. It has a really uh, it's a really easy to play racket. Um, yeah, I mean it's again like we like I said before, I think we can we can continue to make the same rackets as everybody else in the market, but that's that's never been who prince was you know since howard had um you know did the the original prince classic racket he he built that racket to to make the game of tennis easier to play for him and then more accessible for everybody else and i i think that's certainly something that we've got to we've got to continue to do um that's who we're going to stand for and uh we'll, we'll keep we'll keep making rackets that are Again, I, the, I don't believe that any of them are, are niche rackets. They still have, uh, you know, a wide um, reach in terms of the way that they play. But we're going to keep trying to make products that are different and maybe you know can give a, a player a fun experience.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I really applaud you and encourage you to do that because that makes my work and life more fun as well. And uh, one racket that just came out was the Techstream. Um, the 03, uh, with the tattoo design, like you do some collaborations. I've seen that also on your Instagram with, the uh, uh, with the clothing and the apparel stuff. Um, is the, is, is that something you're going to do more of and, and what's the kind of reception you receive when you do these kind of collabs?
1: Yeah, of course. I think, um, you know, we've, uh, we've really, again, we've tried to push the envelope a little bit. Um, you know, we have such a, a long heritage as a brand, uh, and we're we're with a very creative company in in ABG that you know we can we can really try to to find some of these fun collaborations that that bring different people into the game of tennis and you know we've we've seen it this year in in 2020 um, just gone that that tennis has been sort of an outlet for a lot of people that have been you know stuck at home and and struggling with COVID we've seen the game of tennis pick up and you know part of the the collaborations is you know, it is a it is a reach to some people that are maybe not thinking about tennis and they're seeing they're now seeing our our product and our brand um through a different lens and you know we will we'll continue to to do some of those collaborations we've got some some really fun ones in in the pipeline um you know our uh, our team over here is is working hard on on the the more lifestyle side of the brand. Um, you know, with our partner David Gruttman, I think yeah, he's he's really opened us up to some you know some really you know really great influences and, and celebrities and and you know he he works really hard to to help you know, find these these great collaborations that you know we feel. Um, you know, fit well with, with the Prince brand. And, um, yeah, that's certainly something we'll, we'll continue to do. And I think the, you know, the, the tattoo, the hydrogen racket was, was really well received as well. Um, it's just, it, it's fun for us again, as product people, as as creative people to, to work with like-minded people from other brands and, and see where we can, where we can take some of these designs and some of these, uh, these products.
0: Yeah, I think you're doing the right, right approach it's it's fun to see new things on the market and and i mean obviously visuals you can always play around with them and uh, some might love it and some might not but it's it's uh, you have to kind of keep keep innovating and doing something something new Uh, when you work on a a new line of rackets how long does it usually take from when you're kind of drawing up ideas i mean do you have a team you work with or or you know what what's the kind of process for you
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean it, I mean obviously as you know it's it's always ongoing you know we we live and we live and breed tennis so we're you know we we're hitting whenever we can we're seeing what are the products out there we're always thinking about new ideas we're always trying to analyze the the market and see where we can where we can take opportunity from from something that's maybe missing or or we feel like we can do something better in terms of the actual development of the racket you know'm I'm, I'm very hands-on I'll, I'll still, as I did 15 years ago, um, I'll still do the the racket cads myself, um, and and do everything from the ground up, um, which I really enjoy. Um, still being able to be part of that that racket development from the very start, um, and obviously, you know, it's it probably takes us from from concept through testing to to launch. You know, on average, I would say around 18 months, mm-hmm. um, depending on how. Um, how new the racket design is. Obviously, something like the um, the synergy where we've done the the textured um, frame. You know, that was a little bit more complex on the the three D development. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Um, so, and and obviously, I'll go through a few iterations of how how that would look. Just because I'm trying to I'm trying to push the way that the the racket shape is and and, and things. And there will often be times where I'll, I'll develop something and I'll get quite a long way down it, and then just be like, no, I, I want to go in a different direction because I've I've had thoughts as I'm I'm developing it. Um, so maybe that'll take me a bit longer. But if it's a traditional racket and something that we're adding
0: to the line, you know, we can do
1: it pretty pretty
0: quickly now because we are quite a uh, quite a small group. Oh, that's great. No, I think being agile makes life easier, right? It's more fun for you. You can actually uh create something like from your idea and then you you have it in your hand like x okay. number of months later that's that's pretty awesome it's a dream for many tennis nerds i think yeah and of course again because we're so small and because i've i've touched on
1: all the parts of the the, the industry now it's you know i can take it from from concept through production and i know how the, that that tool is gonna be and i know how i want the layup to to be developed and i, I know sort of the, the characteristics of the racket that we're looking for from the very beginning when I'm designing the frame. So that's certainly, that certainly helps that I, I have, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm siloed into just being, just doing the CAD or just working on the layup or just working on the technology or just working on the, the marketing side. I, I can sort of pull it all together with, with the team here. And I, I think that helps us um, a lot to, to be honest, mm. in, in being able to do some of these, these different types of, of products because we we have that um, that breadth across the the entire process to really be able to to define it from the beginning.
0: Yeah, it's, it sounds really, really awesome. Um, one question I had also, I mean, a lot of uh, the bigger brands, they all work with endorsements and it's, uh, yeah, it's a double-edged sword in many ways. Um, what's your opinion about the endorsement situation? Is it just like a budget constraint thing for, for prints, do you think? Or is it more uh, like a philosophy that you don't want to you know do too many of these endorsements and uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a philosophy um, for sure. Obviously, uh, as I've said, you know, our focus
1: and time is really to to be building rackets that that help everybody play and and not just focusing on you know the the pro athletes. Of course, we want to have we want to have more endorsements. I think we're at a little bit of a crossroads as a brand in terms of our endorsements. Um, you know, we're we're gonna. Um, really focus in the next few years on developing the next generation of of Prince players and we, we've always had very good young players coming through mm-hmm. on the brand and that's something that you know unfortunately with with 2020 we weren't able to to get as many um, this year on, on the new product but it, it's it's certainly you know we understand how important you know the endorsement side is to to explain um, our product to the consumer. Um, there, there's no hiding that, um, and it is something that we that we will put more focus into to finding new people that want to use the Prince product, that that want to grow with the Prince product. And I think that's that's really important for us. Is I don't think we just want to um, you know sign a player to an endorsement contract and and have them use a a racket and and you know maybe paint it in a certain way or, or um, that is similar to a racket that, that we have in our line I think we we truly want the players to be using our our actual racket because they they believe in the product and so that's that's our focus now is to to go out and you know scout some of these younger players and, and get them to try the, the product and start building that that younger generation of, of prince athletes that you know will continue to grow with the brand as we as we start to, you know, sort of try to rebuild that um you know that prince following
0: yeah i think that's the best way to approach it i mean because it's it's so difficult to to go and try to hijack players from other brands and try to convince them that's to cool. use other products because their tennis player is is so uh, you know ingrained with one racket and so superstitious about changing it, it's just going to be a hassle and i i mean I've, I've talked about it in other videos that uh you see a lot of these switches that doesn't that look a bit man, manufactured and then um the player starts playing worse or just have issues on court yeah, so uh, much course. much better to start with the juniors and the kids and make sure that they actually love the product and like the racket and then they hopefully grow into a, a, a top ATP or WTA player yeah and, and we've seen that a lot Jonas obviously you know we we had quite a lot of um
1: you know endorsed players in the past on the 03 racket so that have moved away to other brands Mm-hmm. And then they get to a certain point in their career where they they're all coming back to to using O3 rackets because that's what you know they really enjoy playing with. And again, you know, now we're our focus is creating these rackets that are maybe different to to product that's out there. I feel like if we if we convert some of these players, we we will get that um, that group of players that that really believes in the product and feel like they need to use that product to to get to the best of their potential um and so yeah that's i, I agree with you it's sometimes it, it's manufactured when the the player moves from one brand to another um it doesn't always work uh, in a few cases it does but often it doesn't um but if a player really likes a, a product they will you know most of the time want to stick with that that racket
0: yeah no i think that's uh, that's that's how it works i mean money money always talks but results speak yeah. even louder right in the end so yeah you you as a tennis player you want to make sure you feel 100 percent confident always with your your gear uh, i know you're a busy guy so I'm, i might want to let you go but uh, we, we can obviously talk gear all day uh, yeah. what racket of the of the current line do you like the best and maybe historically do you have like any favorites of uh, in the past of, of sticks you've really loved and that you you hold dearly
1: yeah so as i as i said to you before and you know i i hit the ball pretty flat i'm I've never been one that's generated, you know, tons of spin. Um, so I, I do really enjoy playing with the with the new synergy. Um, it just really suits my my style of, of play. Um, you know, I I still have fun going out and hitting with, you know, the Phantom um, 100x1820. And again, because I, I I can really almost just slap the ball a little, a little bit and, and yeah yeah no that's I a fun. Um, so I just really enjoy playing with those frames I, I, I can generate the power so it's not um, I'm, I'm not needing the ripstick that's not that's not my racket again we build rackets that are suitable for certain players and as much as the the ripstick is fun to play with it's never going to be one that I'm going to pick up and play matches with yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so for, from recent years it would be the the current synergy and the um, the phantom 100x uh, 1820.
0: Yeah, those are two two great rackets. I think the synergy right now is is my. I also like the old school synergy. I'm not sure uh, which one I like more, but um, but the the 98, 18, 18 is 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 really fun, and I do like a beefy swing weight. So for me, it's kind of it's it's a bit gutsy to to launch that, but I mean, as as long as you have cover other areas of the of the kind of player uh, demographic, I think you're fine. I mean, some players really love to have like a a high swing weight on the racket.
1: And, and, you know, I, I, I don't think we're going to shy away from, from taking gutsy decisions on on specs. Again, it's one of those where, um, you know, the, the 290 swing weight and 285 swing weight sort of, of range in the 1619 string pattern has sort of become standard in the market. And um, I, I don't necessarily believe that that's always the best way to, um, to, to build the rackets and, and make everything the same. And again, if I go back to when we hit some of the classic rackets and we were we were testing the original graphite, that first graphite that we pulled out of the box, it was 357 grams and had, you know, almost almost a 350 swing weight. Nice. But but honestly, when you went and swung it, you hardly had to do anything. The racket was doing all the work for you because you had so much mass behind the ball. Yeah. It was like an Im- immovable object. The ball would hit it and all that pace would come straight back. And I think part of the problem, you know, with, with stiff and, and low swing rate rackets is you're hitting the ball and, and the, the transfer of energy into the racket is just firing the racket back. And that's that's really going to hurt people's arms. So sometimes, you know, you have to take these you know more gutsy decisions on 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 specs that maybe people will be like, oh, I can't play with a racket that's 300, 305 swing weight. Um, but I, I would I would challenge people to go out and, and try that for themselves before believing it. Because again, it swings lighter probably than the than the swing weight suggests. Um, it's, it's got that textured surface that does allow it to just cut through the air a little bit easier. Um, and, and I think people are going to be surprised that they're, they're going to see the swing weight and, and think, no, this is, this is not something I should use. But when they actually go and try it, I think they're going to find that it isn't as, as as challenging as they they first thought it would be and then they're going to get all the benefits of that additional swing weight when they actually hit the ball
0: yeah and there's a lot of things um that come into a racket it's not only the swing weight like you can have if if the um, if the racket is aerodynamic enough if the weight and balance are, are constructed in a way that that can make the racket swing Pretty fast and it also depends on your swing style. So if you have a, a natural swing style where, where the rack you let the racket do the work and you're not arming yeah. the ball, uh, I think a high swing weight can feel easier to use than a, yes. than a low swing weight. It, it all depends. like a lot of the kids in, in college tennis uh, they do have this very extreme like western style grip. Uh, where you need to you know create a lot of rotations on the ball with every stroke uh, it's quite yeah. laborious to watch they almost have to jump every time they hit the, the shot sure. um it looks really cool but it, it's it's something that can really hurt them in the long run so uh, if you can find like a natural like in most of the pros they do play with really high swing weights for a reason it's it's uh, um, it, they also let the racket do a lot of the work you know they need to have that behind them so
1: yeah absolutely i mean we 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 used to do a, a, an adult session when we were down in Florida, and we used to try to explain this to some of to some of them. It's like if you if you want to hit a nail with a with a hammer, you want the the head of the hammer to be really heavy because it make you don't have to swing your arm as much and 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 keep forcing it and forcing it to try and and, and get the nail to go in. It's sort of the same. If you can swing that higher swing weight, the benefit you're going to get to be able to you know create pace on the ball, you, you're not having to force it as much with your arm and and again as you said if you, if you can let the racket go and you've got that additional swing rate the benefits are, are huge in terms of you know what you can do with the ball but also your, your the health of your arm and and to your point as well I think you know when you were saying when you were explaining that you know different spacings on on the racket uh, on the strings can can produce different performance on a on a 16 19 string pattern I 100% agree and, and one of the things I'd say is, is the same goes for, you know, swing weight and balance. The same goes for stiffness of a racket. You can have two rackets that are 62 RA and the, their flex patterns are completely different. You know, it could be stiff in the top of the racket as opposed to stiff in the, the lower section of the racket. The torsional stiffness can be different. The, the twitch stiffness, the actual hoop stiffness can be completely different. And you can say, oh, well, I want a racket that's 63 RA it's sort of it's become easy to define rackets that way because again that's mm-hmm. how the retail does it. You are saying, well I want a racket that's three hundred grams, sixty three RA, sixteen nineteen string pattern. The reality is that from our side when we're when we're engineering it and we're developing those rackets, we're looking into it in far more detail than that. And when we get to a racket that's if I have a synergy that is sixty two RA and I have a phantom that's sixty two RA those two rackets play totally different. Their flex characteristics are completely, completely different. Uh, And and so I would, again, I would say that there's, there's a lot more complexity to a a stiffness and there's a lot more complexity to a string pattern than, um, you would maybe see in, in, in just your, your average retail specs. And so I do, I do encourage people to, to try and make their racket choices, not necessarily based just on specs.
0: No, and, and the, I mean the specs tell part of the story. You need actually need to hit with the racket, and it depends on on you and the string and the tension of the string. Uh, so players make make really quick judgments, and then they say, "Oh, this is garbage," or "This is this is great," or or whatever, without taking all the all the things into consideration. Because it's it's a really it's quite difficult to understand all the physics of tennis racket string sure. ball impact, how a spin created. You know and everything so it's there's i think there's mainly a knowledge gap
1: right and it's going to be different for every player as well and again that's you know I'll, i'll go back to the 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 golf situation you know now with golf you can go to a driving range and they can analyze your swing your your swing plane the path of the club head you know everything that they're analyzing and they're getting you in the right racket if i go and play tennis and you know we both like the synergy 98 we we probably swing completely different and i'll need to set up my racket in a different way to you will different string different tension and and, and those things are, are going to be different for every single player which is why we we want to build those rackets again i take the, the the synergy and the phantom they can both be the same stiffness but they have different benefits based on the way that we've built those rackets and it's just going to suit somebody who plays in a certain way, hits the ball in a certain way it might even be, you know, somebody takes the ball on the rise, they play close to the baseline as opposed to somebody who plays you 10-12 foot behind the baseline you're going to want a different racket, you're going to feel something different when you're hitting with the same product so there's no there's no tried and true, well this is the best racket for everybody and this is the, this is a bad racket, it might be that player a loves it and player b doesn't love it and then you know there's something else out there for player b um but it, it's really it, it's it's a complicated thing to to do to to develop a racket and it's a lot more complicated than it than it looks from from the outside again as i said we haven't changed the production process in, in such a, a long time it's not revolutionarily different but the the way that we fine-tune the rackets and the way that we can set up a racket to to play differently is is something that the industry's built up over over many many years and I, I would say the the one piece of advice I'd give to to all the tennis nerds out there is go and try go and try some different products from different brands and and feel the differences in the rackets and find something that that suits your game because it's not necessarily I'm a Wilson guy or I'm a Babolat guy because the the player uses it i just don't think that that's how it works
0: no no if you have the fortune to um, i mean some some places it's not that easy to demo but in in most bigger countries there there is like i mean obviously tennis shops but also online retailers that can yeah. ship out a few cup a few rackets you ship them back and it's not that expensive to just get a proper demo session for a week or so uh, and you get to more knowledge around your your tennis i think that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah uh, actually now now more than ever that's that's true there's more and more online retailers that are able to do demos that you know we just like when i was growing up it was you could only go into your into your local tennis store and and you didn't even really get a chance to demo or you happened to be lucky enough that there was a a demo day going on at a, a local club that you could go to and try some some product but nowadays you know the access to to being able to demo, and again, you're right. Not everybody is able to, but but more and more players are able to to demo different different products, and uh, I, I would recommend that to, to to everybody that that can
0: is is to demo as much as you can. For sure, for sure. Um, you op- often list your swing weight uh, and your power level. Uh, is that something you will keep doing? I, I really appreciate, especially the swing weight, to be uh, usually listed because yeah. most manufacturers they don't do that at all.
1: We we will continue to to list the swing weight. We actually on the on the synergy and ripstick have decided not to to continue with the the power level being listed on the racket. I think it it, it became one of those um, you know specs that people looked at a a little bit too much and we felt that especially when we were we were trying to go a little bit more extreme with the 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 product and the way that the the racket played we didn't want to pigeonhole somebody and saying well i'm an 800 swing weight player so i can't try the the synergy or i can't try the ripstick um so we we have strategically decided to not continue with the power level the the rackets that we're that we're building don't necessarily follow that that trend we can build a thin flexible racket that still has power and we can build a thicker um stiffer racket that still has control so go out and try stuff as opposed to just looking at the power level of the
0: specs yeah i completely agree I, I think it's it's tricky um the thing with information and uh, and the lack of information i think in the, in the marketplace in general for tennis is is that any number can throw people off, like if they look too much. Yeah. What, what needs to maybe be worked on um, is is to have more information of, of the kind of player type and player level suitable for a racket, because I think that stuff you can yeah. put in there. So if you're an online retailer, you can be smarter on directing players towards the right type of racket or give them like, hey, here's five rackets that can suit you from five different brands. Based If you're like a 3.0 NTRP or if you use UTR, and you are you're a top spin heavy player or you're you're playing you're hitting flat with a short swing maybe a veteran doubles players or whatever so I think that kind of information is more important than a, a number right so
1: I 100%, 100% agree with you and it's not very easy to do like we we can't we can't always go in and, and train every person to to understand which rackets are most suited for for every player, um, and and which are the comparable rackets, and and all of that, depending on your your playing type. But we certainly, as a brand, and I think as an industry, need to do a better job of of explaining, of explaining that, and and trying to help guide the um, the players into the right product.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I, that's something I've, I'm trying. Where one of my missions is to kind of bring more information, uh, and not say so much. This racket is crap. This racket is great more right. because that's so subjective right but but to explain sure. like search suitable for this type of player, pros and cons and uh, yeah. and you can make your own more informed decision hopefully uh, but the best is always to demo like you said it's best is always yeah. to try see what it does to you and uh and hopefully i mean you you get some vital information from that but a lot of players also try for 10 minutes and they put it down and they oh it's a shit racket and you're like okay the strings are four months old or you know it's the wrong racket so it's 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 a tough tough one
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's funny like we used to get again i'll go back to the adult program we used to get all the time somebody would come in and they'd be using like a, a an rf signature and they'd have like six-month-old poly in it and they hadn't changed their grip in in a year <laughs> and they were wondering why they they couldn't hit at the ball properly anymore and they were coming in and getting these expensive lessons and i'm like uh sometimes you you, you can't always help people that that don't want the help um no but you know there uh, there are a lot of people out there that, that that do understand rackets and they do um they do take good care of their their strings and their grips and and enjoy the game of tennis as we all do. And I think you know we're at, we're at a fun time in the um, in the tennis industry. In that tennis is picking up again. Um, yeah. you know, it's one of the you know very very minor silver linings of what's happened with with COVID. But tennis has become a, an outlet for people. And um, the more we can make it you know, enjoyable and get people in the right product and and having fun playing the game now. The more people will stay in tennis, and I think that's what you know. We truly all want. We want tennis to be, you know, more and more popular again. And um, yeah, that's our responsibility as as brands, as you know, yourself um, in the you know in the media side and in in spreading that message to people.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. No, it's nice to see a positive curve for for tennis after uh, maybe a while where there was worries what's going to happen when the three big three leave and, and we get like a kind of a, a void of, uh, of of those guys. Uh, but I think there's there's hope on the horizon. Yeah,
1: I, I think so, too. And there's a there's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of fun players coming through. So, um, yeah, it's we, we were all very worried about the,
0: the, the big three leaving. But I think tennis is in a, is in a good state. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, thanks, Tim. I know you're a busy guy, um, but thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a lot of fun to talk fun to you. Challenge. Yeah. Anytime you want to talk rackets, you know where I am. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. All right, man. Yeah, thanks well, so much.
0: James. Thanks a lot, and uh, best of luck with uh, with the sales and the the marketing of the upcoming uh, rackets, the Ripstick and the Synergy, and more and more fun rackets to come from you later in the year, as far as yeah, I know.
1: absolutely. I'm sure we'll talk again.
0: Yeah, yeah, we should. All right, All right. man. Thanks, Anna. Take, Take care. care. Right. Ciao, ciao.